You're listening to the Script Lab Podcast. I'm Shaney Edwards. Bombshell tells a sensational true story about Fox News CEO Roger Ailes, played by John Lithgow, and the female news anchors Gretchen Carlson, played by Nicole Kidman, and Megyn Kelly, played by Charlize Theron, who brought Ailes down. This is a story of power, hubris, and a toxic culture where abuse was routinely ignored. But it's also a story of hope that any woman can find her voice and courage and that both women and men can find a healthy balance in the workplace. The film is directed by Jay Roach and written by Charles Randolph, whom you may remember won the Oscar for writing 2015's The Big Short. I was so excited to speak to Charles, and I have to say he's one of the nicest guys I've ever interviewed. Let's listen to a clip from Bombshell. You have to adopt the mentality of an Irish street cop. The world is a bad place. People are lazy morons. Minorities are criminals. Sex is sick but interesting. Ask yourself what would scare my grandmother or piss off my grandfather. And that's a Fox story. Oh, it makes so much sense. Women are everywhere. We're letting them play golf and tennis now. HR's on the phone because you called me a skirt. Yeah, it's, yeah. I got to read that manual again. <laughs> the attitude off camera was even worse. You're a man-hater. Learn to get along with the boys. You're sexy, but you're too much work. I have a whole list. Will other women come forward? You may have heard there was a dust-up involving yours truly and presidential contender Donald Trump. There was blood coming out of her eyes, blood coming out of her wherever. Oh my God, did he just accuse me of anger menstruating? Wait, am I gonna be the story? No. No. I'm gonna be the story. No. no. Nobody stops watching because of a conflict. They stop watching when there isn't one. I want to convince you that I belong on air, Mr. Ailes. I think I'd be freaking phenomenal on your network. I could pluck you out and move you to the front of the line. But I need to know that you're loyal. I need you to find a way to prove it. Hi, Charles. Hi. So excited to talk to you. I have learned so much about screenwriting from your film, so oh, thank, thank you. you. Wow, thank you. Um, Bombshell is fantastic. Thank you. But you have an unusual background. So I left college. I left Abilene Christian University in Abilene, Texas, which is a Church of Christ school. Church of Christ being a Southern denomination, much like the Southern Baptist. Uh, and I went to Eastern Europe, where I worked for a group that produced Bibles to be taken, smuggled into Eastern Europe. So I had a little uh, episode that I jokingly refer to as James Bond for Jesus. I love it. <laughs> for a couple years. Uh, although we weren't the cool smugglers. We were just working the printing operation. The really cool smugglers were these, you know, Pentecostal guys in their 30s who would meet you in, like, you know, furniture stores and, like, hand, you'd hand them discs. They'd hand you discs with, like, translations on them. Like, we want to get some Gospel of Mark in Romanian. Can, we, can you get it done by next week? You know, whatever. So, um... Uh, so I did that for a while, and then I went to divinity school. I went back to Europe as a professor, and I started, you know, doing cultural studies and, and looking into various cultural fields that I was interested in. One of them was filmmaking. And at 33, I wrote a script uh, and got an agent on that script and decided, you know, this is something I really love. It allows me to fulfill my yearning for immersing myself in different worlds every six months or eight months or year. It allows me to you know, um, tell multiple stories in that, in that, in that world, you know, embody diverse, a diverse set of characters. So, um, yeah, that's, that's where I, when I started becoming a screenwriter and I've done that ever since. Well, when I first read that, uh, about your background, I thought, oh, that's an unusual 
way to come to screenwriting. But then I thought, you know, studying the Bible is probably a great way to learn story Mm -hmm. because the Bible has some of the best stories of all time. Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and and also the style of the stories is so unique. You know, the four Gospels are very different. Frank Kermode has a lovely book on the Gospel of Mark as a kind of precursor to James Joyce-type modernist narratives because it's so crazy. In fact, the original versions of the Gospel of Mark which are the Codex Vaticanus and the Codex Sinaiticus, both end with um, uh, the disciples going to the tomb. And I guess Mary Magdalene is there. And the last line in both versions is, and they went away and said nothing to anyone because they were very afraid. And that's the original, the oldest text we have of the story of Jesus in that way, right? With no sec, no coming back or anything. I mean, just they end with this, they go, to, and granted there's things missing, so we don't know what the other parts were. But just there's this, you know, the, 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 the book itself, the book of Mark itself is so elliptical and weird and has crazy asides. It's, it's like an Adam McKay film in some ways. He's <laughs> kind of, okay, we're going to go there now. All right, makes no sense, but we'll go there, you know, so, yeah. But in some strange way, it, it works and yeah. it's endured. Yeah. So I guess one of the things that I've really learned from you uh, or aspire to learn from you is how to take these big, big stories right. and make them relatable and understandable to people like me who may not have a background in finance right. like you did in The Big Short. Right. Uh, how did you know how to do that? Is it sort of like these gospels that kind of go all over the place? Yeah, well, you know, I mean, I mean, I love complexity because I feel like complexity will lead you to story moments you're not going to find otherwise, right? And and so I think if, if you're willing to do the work and sit down and think big subjects through, I always try and find something that's, you know, really, really hard that scares me because once I have that fear, I know I'm gonna have the adrenaline to actually do something. So I mean, obviously Big Short was scary because it was such a complicated world. Now Michael Lewis, let's be clear, had done a beautiful, brilliant job of simplifying a lot of it. And it was really about trying to make all that function in the film and in a narrative. So the actual underlying information was there, it was just not orchestrated cinematically yet. This is a little different in the sense that this is really about dancing around all these ideological communities who are loaded for bear, ready to come after the film in some ways at, at times because it's you know it's dealing with things that are hot button issues because it's with people you don't necessarily think you want to like because a guy is doing it. I mean, there's all these things that make the ideological landscape, the receptive landscape of this movie complicated, and that really excites me. So that's interesting. You get excited by fear. Yeah, or just 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 you know, it's going to be hard. It's going to be interesting. It's going to be tough. It's going to it's going to take us somewhere, right? Right. Uh, you know, I feel like that's the best way I can find for me to try and say something new and unusual, right? Um, so yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's great. Yeah. I so appreciate this film because of the story that it's telling, and I never thought in my life I would see this sort of movement that really started at Fox News and then later on with Harvey Weinstein. Why was it important for you to tell? Well, you know, I I have women in my life who've you know, who've told me stories, so so I I have been horrified by the depth and the breadth of the problem. 
Uh, I think all of us have been. You know, I wrote this prior to Me Too, so I, so I sold this after uh, Ailes was fired. I think I, I think we were pitching we were pitching the week of the Billy Bush tape. I'm pretty sure. So that was that was the week we went out. So you know, the thing that motivated me was the same thing that motivated Jody and Megan at the Times to sort of double down on the stories and the rumors they had heard about Harvey. The thing, same thing that motivated motivated activists to get into the streets. And you know, it was just this this sort of crazy indignation that not only was that this what this happened on a regular basis but that it was you know that our culture was willing to tolerate it and so so that sort of you know obviously it starts with that you know sexual harassment is bullshit it's got to stop let's move let's let's figure that out so that was that but it was also the characters were were fascinating to me uh, i'd always sort of wanted to do this arena i love 9 to 5 mm. uh, i think uh, miss resnick's script is kind of genius and and un uh, not duly lauded, um, in part because she's the first one to see this very important difference that even legal scholars were slow to catch up on, which is the difference between sexual harassment and gender harassment. It's one thing to solicit or, or badger a woman for sexual favors. It's another just to put her down for being a woman, right? Just like a little bit like Roger does of, of, of Gretchen in the film, you know, too bad you didn't have your chance to sleep with me back in the day. You, you missed it. You know, like, just let me just, let me just belittle you. It's, it's a little bit the difference between Lily Tomlin and, and Dolly Parton in nine to five, right? That's a fascinating distinction that she totally lays out in that movie in a beautiful, brilliant way. So, you know, I mean, I just, it's an issue that sort of has been in the back of my head for a while. And then, you know, this thing happens and they're just, utterly fantastic characters because they're all so the last people you could possibly conceive of doing this, right? I mean, Megan is so ambitious on a certain level and sees herself as someone who can control the conversation both inside of Fox but in the culture, and she can't, and she discovers that with Trump. And then that prepares her for understanding when Gretchen's case arrives that she is in some ways, her silence has made her complicit, as it has many women, you know, in, in what happens to the generation that comes after her. I love the generational conflict in this film. And so what happens is she has to stand up and say, okay, you know, this happened to me. And I, I, the entire arc of that character is about discovering complicity in a subtle, very real way. Uh, and so I thought that that is the best bystander story I can tell, you know? Yeah. Um, I love that we're talking about 9 to 5, by the way. I just, <laughs> just rewatched it the other night. Um, but also, too, it's chilling, especially for me, to think about, gosh, was I ever, you know, complicit? Yeah. And just, I think, at I had a great experience um, at university and film school and all of that. But I do think that there is a sense of uh, gender bias, like you were, or gender discrimination that yeah. you're talking about, um, and I think it's just been there yep. since the beginning. You you just have to you know fight through it, do your best. But it's great to see this film where there's examples of women standing up, yeah. women giving in too because right. they don't know their you're way, right. yeah, yeah, and maybe women who have had that experience can see it on screen and perhaps forgive themselves. Right, or, yeah, absolutely. Hope. And, and put it, you know, realize it's not their fault. Yep, absolutely. Um, but also to, to see the, the women standing up. Uh, it's, it's really beautiful, and it, it, it fuels me in a deep, deep way. Oh, that's way. beautiful. Yeah, yeah, that's gorgeous. And, and also, I think, you know, 
the portrait of women who don't stand up, who habitually fall into defending the company and the boss because that's what one does. And, you know, that portrait's important to give, too, because that's where so many people are. Uh, but I do love your reading of Kayla, because I, I think, I think what's, what, what, what I hope to achieve with Kayla is a character who does precisely what you're saying, who is using her sexuality in a very limited way to get a certain kind of attention, and then falls into this situation where she becomes entrapped in a quid pro quo sexual relationship because the predator sees her doing that, knows that he can use that and manipulate the guilt she feels about that to almost like in an old Cold War spy novel, you, you know, you met me, you met me at this restaurant, therefore I can turn you in at any time, so here we go, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to use that to, 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 you know, to manipulate you even more. And that is often the woman who doesn't want to say me too, right? The woman who, who feels some degree of complicity in, in how she arrived in that office, even though her story is no less a reflection of a power differential, is no less a reflection of injustice, yet those women often don't feel that way. And so I, 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 um, uh, I do love that you're, that you're reading of Caleb because I do think that she's a woman who's finding herself and, and, and finding her way through uh, what is a surreally complicated experience when someone that powerful targets you. I love that you added in that part about her uh, family and how Fox News is right. on. Right. And like that's the the, the dream. Right. The dream come true is right. Fox News. Uh, yeah. Like that's so foreign to me yeah. until I go to, you know, my in-laws. Right, it's yeah. It's like, mm. Yeah. Um, well, I, I'm from your in-laws' world, obviously. So, yeah, no, I mean, that, I, you know, the fact that the fact that yeah, the fact that I don't want to be on TV, I want to be on Fox. Yes. You know, right? Yeah. yeah, yeah, it's it's a great way to write a character. Yeah. So good. Can we break down the three protagonists? Sure. Yes, please. I'm writing a script now with four protagonists, okay. and I can't keep it straight at times. It's hard. Right. So, how did you do that? Yeah, now? great, great question. So, I, what I tried to do is I said, okay. I'm going to have a problem because I'm going to make people identify with Megyn Kelly and they're going to be really pissed off and some are not even going to want to do it. Some are just going to say, I refuse to even walk into the theater. So how can I parcel out the roles these various women play in the story in a way that both is in, more engaging than normal, but at the same time, it deals with that fact. So what happens is Megan is our narrative center. She's our Dante. She's the figure who... We are inside her head, and she takes us through the world. Whereas Gretchen is our moral center, and that's a slightly different form of point of view, right? She's the woman whose moral choices structure the universe, and those people usually come together, but they don't in this film. And then there's this other thing entirely going on, and that's, that's Kayla, who's our emotional center. She's the one whose journey we identify with the most. So what I would do in your case with your four women is I would try to assign them different roles emotionally, you know, narratively and, and, you know, and morally or whatever works for you as a structure, a cinematic structure. And, and, and you know, that, that I find allows them to breathe a little bit, allows them to, 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 to function for us as an audience in a way that uh, surprises us and at the same time doesn't, um, doesn't keep them in boxes. Yeah. That's very helpful. Thank you. When you were writing the Gretchen and Megan's uh, characters, did you ever want to stray away from how you understood them in real life, or did you tr really try and keep to their? Every day, you know, <laughs> because I mean, I don't agree with them half the time, right? I mean, they're complicated people. They're contradictory people. They're often wrong. 
sometimes very brave. So it's, yeah, so I mean, yeah, you, you know, but the, at the same time, you know, they, what, the truth will take you to places that fiction won't sometimes, you know, and so just by, by remaining true to them, you know, and their quirks. I think probably if you were to ask Gretchen Carlson once she sees the film how she feels about it, she would say, oh, he's, you know, he's, he's, I'm not that, I'm not that quirky. I'm not that, you know, I'm, you know, I, I think in the pages I, uh, of the script I refer to her, I, I think kind of jokingly as a, as a, uh, as the queen of the humble brag or something like that. And I'm sure that Gretchen, if she, if she were, to, you know, to read that would be, oh, that's not true, you know, but she does have a quality, a, does have a fascinating Midwestern quality of leading with her achievements. Like, I, you know, look, I'm proud of what I've achieved. I've done important things and I want, you know, I'm, I, I worked hard and I want to know that. I want people to know that because people dismiss me because I'm blonde. People dismiss me because I'm not tall. People dismiss me because they, they, that I work in Fox. So I just, I love those complexities about these people. Um, so yes, I wanted often to stray a little bit, but, but you know, I tried to remain true. I mean, it is not, you know, it's not them. It is a version of them, right? And I'm sure Megan and Gretchen both will have lots to say about how they're portrayed. But I do think we capture some, some essence of them. And, you know, um, Mar- both Margot and, and all three of them, Margot, Nicole, and Charlize have been pretty articulate in the press about what they've borrowed on and what worked for them. You know, um, you know, Charlize has really leaned into this beautiful kind of um, coldness is not the right word, but just just a little bit of distance. You know, as someone who lives on television is constantly living a little bit of a distance from the world she's in, and then that breaks down and what that means for her. So you know, those kinds of those kinds of attitudes and. Um, performance beats, um, you know, are, are part obviously in the script, the script, and obviously in the direction, but 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 largely just things, the 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 fine brushwork that great actors bring to to the piece. Your actors are amazing. Yeah, all three women, I I adore yeah. worship. <laughs> Me too. Ho hum, ho hum. It's hard to work with geniuses. <laughs> No, it's like you think, well, I mean, we're done. I mean, Jay and I look at each other like, well, what are we going to do next? I mean, you know, you know, drag Daniel Day-Lewis out and dig up Marlon Brando maybe. I mean, if you're going to do the guy comparison, I think it's impossible. You know, get Bale in there maybe. It's, it's tough. It's like, what is name three guys who have that kind of acting chops you could put in one movie. It's really tough. It is. Yeah. Um, and then there's John Lithgow. Yeah. Who I adore him so much. Yeah. And to see him as this schmuck, yeah. it kind of broke my heart. Yeah. But he was so good. Yeah. Maybe talk a little bit about writing Ailes right. as your your villain. Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, I mean, I would say about John, and this is Jay's point from the beginning that because John has such native humanity, he would bring layers to it that that you would not otherwise get, and he certainly does. And you certainly capture uh, with John's performance the the thing that's the hardest to get about Roger, which is how how charming he could be, how smart and, be- and people love the man. You know, I didn't have a lot of experience with Harvey, but I never met anyone who was just like, oh, I'm gonna go hang out with Harvey. I love Harvey. No, I mean, I met people who respected Harvey, and people thought Harvey did amazing work and wanted to work with him because he, you know, because the because he fought for 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 movies that they cared about. But I never met anyone who just loved. Harvey, the way people love Roger, you know, even liberals. And so um, he had a charm. He had a, 
um, and a fierce intelligence and expertise in his world. So I wanted to capture that, right? I wanted to capture his closeness to Megan after the fact of her harassment. And they'd moved on and rebuilt this relationship, right? Um, and so that was, you know, that was, John was very helpful in capturing that. And then, you know, some of it's just, you have to, you have to cheat some things. You know, Roger's actual dialogue was never all that interesting, so I had to find a less didactic conservatism. I ended up choosing a kind of libertarian, you know, you know, I always say it's like the it's like the comment section of the of Marginal Revolution. Do you know that Tyler Cowen blog? You know, I, you know the, those kinds of sort of slightly smarter, you know, cent, more center right views, just because they would resonate more with a broader audience. You know, they're a little bit less sort of the didactic uh, touchstones of, of conservatism that would not play internationally. It would make him seem a little, I think, uh, a little less interesting. I'm going to ask you for some more advice. Sure. Say I'm writing a script dealing with these issues of sexual harassment, hashtag me too, all of this. What advice do you have in terms of presenting these issues and making it reasonable, relatable to women and men? Give the women agency. Do not fall in the trap of letting, making them, you know, noble and passive because they, then they won't engage us, right? So give them agency. Give them complications. Give them, you know, um, give them qualities that uh, allow the actor to play something different in every scene so that they're not, you know, they're not forced to mine the same territory again and again. And if the actors have agency, if they have quirks, if they have, if the characters have agency and quirks and, and contradictions, then they'll be fully human in a way that will invite new scenes and give you ideas, right? I think this is the difficulty as always. We just don't let the individual be limited to their victim status because that is both an unfair way to deal with people who are victims, but also it's not a very interesting way. That's good advice. Yeah. Thank yeah. you. Good. Lovely. What are you working on next? Uh, I'm doing the, um, right now I'm writing the uh, John D. Rockefeller st- story for uh, Mr. De Niro uh, with David O. Russell. Fantastic. Well, I can't wait to see that, but I think everybody should go out and see Bombshell. Thank you. It's a powerful film, Thank and you. it's it's a film that could not have been made before now. Yep. And thank you for making oh, it. Oh, thank you. Thank you for saying that. Take care.